0: Hi guys. Can you hear me okay? Just give me a thumbs up, Helen. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, Okay. So I'm really excited about uh, speaking to you this morning. Really excited. Um, I had a great, great passage. I'm really thankful to the person who did the rota for the preachers because this is a great, exciting morning to be able to speak. And um, I was so gripped by that um, word about the song from Sam about uh, Jesus be the centre and, and just be be the focus of our lives. But also when um, Helen said we don't have to wait, I just really want to encourage you. You don't have to wait. You can meet God now. You can hear him now. Um, he, he is the one that has inspired the, um, the points that I'm going to say. And I just want to encourage you to just hear from him block out my voice and just hear from him today okay so let's let's be expectant as we get into the work this morning so we're continuing our series about people who met Jesus and changed the world we're in Acts 2 and um, I think it's probably fair to say that um, reading Acts is a bit like reading the script of an epic film It, it certainly feels like it but it's not a film it's One of the most amazing accounts of real people experiencing real life in the midst of an incredible point in God's big story. And this big story is a story that still goes on, and we as his people are still caught up in it. Today we're in Acts 2 and we're going to be looking from verse 42. So while you have a look at it, maybe you might have your Bible open or maybe you might have an app that you can look it up in. Just go find it so you can read along at the same time. So while you look for that, I'm just going to give a quick summary of where we're up to, what's happened so far. You know, all the best epic films have a summary of what's happened so far, don't they? So um, remember, um, Acts was written by Luke and it's like part two of the gospel account that he wrote. So he tells us that Jesus has been resurrected and that he's been with his people. And he, uh, Jesus instructed his people to wait in Jerusalem, and then Jesus ascended into heaven. And um, the promised Holy Spirit arrives on the day of Pentecost. There's a rushing wind, there are tongues of fire, and the 120 in the upper room are filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, power, and wonder. And then they hit the streets. Luke tells us that Jerusalem was rammed, packed, full of many people from every nation under heaven. And on that day, as a multitude's attention was arrested by the unexpected sound of people speaking languages, not their own, a season changed right in front of them. As they heard Peter preach the gospel, their hearts were completely pierced. And they were deeply transformed on that day. Luke tells us that about 3,000 people found new life in Jesus just on that day alone. So today we're going to pause and we're going to look in on the early church in Jerusalem. And as we do, we're going to see this amazing, beautiful, buzzing church, full to bursting of 3,000 baby Christians. And these are real people with real lives. They'd experienced a deep transforming work of salvation and how they walked after that and what happened as a result. Well, it it changed the world. Really, I don't know how else to describe it. It changed the world. Um, As we read it, I want to encourage you to um, listen for what they were doing, what God was doing and also just anything else that will give you a feel about the kind of atmosphere that the church had. So, Acts 2, verse um, 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, um, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and all thing, had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. I just think that's the most amazing description. It's, so, it's only a few verses, but it's such an amazing description of what a church needs to look like and, and what it's like being part of it. So I just want to pray quickly. God, I want to thank you that your word is living and active. And God, I want to pray now that it would come alive to us as we talk about it. Would you have your way with this time? Lord, you've already been so present in the worship. You've already been speaking in the worship. And would you have your way with this time now? It's our delight to dwell in your presence. Would you pierce our hearts with the truth, just like you did with the people that we're going to be talking about today? God, it's all about you. It's all about what you're doing. It's all about the work that you want to do. And God, we lift our eyes now. We lay down our lives. We just say, God, please, would you speak? Would you speak, Lord, because we're listening? Amen. So after Peter's passionate call to repentance and salvation. This church was full of baby Christians and um, they had a shared experience of God breaking into their lives. Their attention had been caught and arrested by all that the Holy Spirit was doing. Their turnaround, their repentance was real. It was very deep and authentic and this is important because They were going to need courage. They were going to need perseverance in their walk with God. They were going to make some radical decisions to put God's plan first, whatever the consequences. And you can track that as you read Acts further. We can't look at it all today um, because there just isn't time. But if you haven't done it before or if you haven't done done it for a while, now is a really great time to be soaking in Acts It's a great time to be just reading it or listening to it. Um, There's all kinds of um, apps that will read it for you at the moment. And so it's a great idea to just be soaking yourself in what was happening, the bigger picture of, of how the church is growing and how the gospel message was getting out. It's a really gripping read. There's so much to learn about how God loved these amazing people and how he grew his church. But today, we're just going to look at three things about these people, three hallmarks of this passage. And uh, I've got three Ps to help us focus on on things this morning. So first of all, they were a passionate people. Next, they were a praying people. And lastly, they were a proactive people. So point one, they were a, a passionate people. What I mean by this is that they were devoted learners together, living in unity and in the fullness of what Jesus had done for them. In verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You don't devote yourself to something that you're not passionate about. It's because their conversion had been so authentic. It was such a deep heartwork of God that these people were choosing to be devoted. You can't be carried along with a ride with devotion. It's a personal choice that's born out of a desire for a deeper connection and deeper relationship with God. Devotion is something that is an individual choice. True devotion led these people to the place where they began to make their own personal histories with God in the secret place. And their devotion to the things of God shows us how passionate and hungry they were for more. They devoted themselves to learning because they were passionate and hungry to learn. Remember, these were baby Christians and they were like the biggest ever multiple birth. Now, as some of you know, I'm a mum of twins. And so I know a little bit of something about how multiples approach feeding themselves when they're hungry I'm not going to embarrass the boys by telling you uh, who I'm talking about right now but as they were as they were learning to feed themselves when they were little they had a natural togetherness in what they did they would watch one another they would try things Um, one of them would try things and kind of not quite make it but get there in the end and the other would watch the the first one and then work it out and have a go and get it right straight away and they learned that if they didn't want to wait to eat they're going to need to get involved in feeding themselves and this made them proactive they wouldn't just wait passively for food to be given to them they were hungry so they would reach out earlier they were engaged and alert to opportunities to partner with the one feeding them, me, and feed themselves. But because of their natural togetherness, they would also help one another. A child will take um, like a sippy cup from, a, from the table and drink. And, um, but when it's a multiple, you see that they'll take their cup, but they'll also be aware of their sibling too. Um, They might take their cup and take the other cup as well and give it to their sibling. Or they might take their cup and just wait while the other sibling gets theirs. And then there's a togetherness in how they drink. Well, that's what happened in our family anyway. But it's an interesting observation about how multiples approach um, feeding themselves. It's like they have a multiples mindset and it makes them reach out and feed themselves. But there's an awareness of others too. And I think this is what the people had to do in in Acts 2. There were 120 people who were in the upper room. And now suddenly they had 3,000 people to disciple and teach about being a Christian. That was about, well, I did do the maths, that was 25 people each. I mean, that's a lot. And God was so real to the 3,000. And their hunger was so great that they were going to have to partner in their learning. They had to use their passion for God to drive their devotion to him. They could have been more passive, but they chose to be passionate and that drove their devotion. So they were devoted to learning, but also they were devoted to the fellowship, to unity and living in the fullness of what Jesus had done for them. This natural togetherness must have been such a powerful part of the fellowship of the church you know, so many people had um, were sharing the wonder of new life in Christ. They were living together in the fullness of what Jesus Christ had done. And by devoting themselves to breaking bread, they were choosing to dwell in that unifying place of regularly focusing on the freedom that Christ had won for them. Just think about this for a minute. This is raw. This is... A fresh memory, the violence of the sacrifice of Jesus, the the sacrifice that he'd made, was a recent event. It must have been so real in their minds as they broke bread and remembered. But what an amazing moment of unity and family these times must have been. They were together. They were siblings in Christ, dwelling in the unity of a passionate and devoted family. These are people just like us. KCC is known for its warmth and its family feel. And this time apart during the pandemic has been really challenging. How do we restore that family feel when we start meeting together? And we can't do the things, like all the things that we want to do. We need to have a multiples mindset. One that seeks to feed ourselves, to be passionate and devoted to God ourselves, but also support one another to do the same. We have this shared experience of God in navigating this time, this pandemic. We've all gone through it. There's not one of us who hasn't gone through this pandemic. We're together in it and we've met God and we've received um, all that he's had for us in this season. And today you know, he's been talking about being eager to meet with us. That's all of us. There's not one person left out. He's eager to meet with us. So we have this shared experience of God navigating this time. So I want to encourage you that as we get to meet, as we get to talk, and we, testif- we, can, we can testify and um, encourage one another to continue to devote ourselves to God, I want to encourage you, don't wait for someone else Don't be the one that waits and goes, oh, I wish I'd have done it. Don't wait. Be passionate. Be passionate about what God has done, whether it's a big story or a small story. It doesn't matter because it's God's story and you're caught up in it. So each time you share it, it gives another a source of faith and encouragement in prayer. Maybe if God did it for them, he'll do it for me. It grows faith. And that is a multiples mindset. And that is a sign of a passionate people. So point two, they were a praying people. It says that they devoted themselves also to prayer. And this is so relevant for us um, in this season. You know, God's increasingly been calling us to pray into so many situations, situations in our families, in our immediate streets and surroundings, situations in our nation situations in other nations and around the world. For these praying people, prayer was not an afterthought. It formed another part of their growing relationship in God. They were devoted to it as they were devoted to him. It was part of their unity in fellowship and such a powerful way of them partnering in all God was doing. They were seeing God change the season all around them. You know, it says, um, it says that many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. God was at work. He was changing the temperature around them. They were seeing God change the rhythm and pace of life all around. And prayer was part of them making a personal and joint history with God. And it can be like that for us too. God delights in making history through those who make personal history with him. The result of passionate devotion and prayer was that awe came upon every soul. And I really feel like God's got something for us in this the church. Together, they were passionately devoted to God. And part of that was prayer and it says that awe came upon every soul. God has kept me in that place for several weeks as I've been preparing for today, and I've just been soaking and learning about the kind of awe, the kind of right fear of God that we're to have. You know, God is great, he is mighty, but when you know him, You can have a fear of him and an awe of him that is right. It's about a deep, deep relationship with him that looks up at him and is amazed by his greatness and wonder. The early church had God's presence, God's presence with them. And they responded by this passionate devotion and prayer. We have God's presence with us and we've been called to grow in prayer. So what would it look like for an awe of God to come upon every soul in KCC? What would it look like? What would it look like right now for you to gaze in awe at God? What would it look like? What would it feel like? for your heart to grow in awe of God. And what would happen as a result? Awe of God builds expectancy. Awe of God magnifies him. It's the overwhelming devotion of children amazed at the kindness, the glory, and the complete magnificence of their father. What would it look like for us to be awestruck by God? What would our meetings be like? What would our personal times with him be like? The early church was characterised by a continual awe of God's presence and power among them. And the thing about awe is that it has this incredible capacity to cause big growth in hearts. In his book, Rejoice and Tremble, Michael Reeves says this, Right fear and awe of God enlarges hearts. As believers revel in awe of God, they grow in heartfelt delight in God, and that leads them to walk in His ways. These people were rooted in awe, and this was a corporate thing. Not one person was left out. Prayer was part of the outworking of the relationship that they were growing in. And prayer was also a stance of humility. All that was happening around them was a work of God. Not them, but God was working in them and through them. They prayed and things happened. So partnering with God in prayer, delighting in him in prayer and waiting on him in prayer was as vital for them then as it is for us today. They were a passionate people who were devoted. They were a praying people who were partnering with God. And they were in a daily rhythm of dwelling with God. It says day by day, they went to the temple. Day by day, these they did these things. They were in a rhythm, a daily rhythm with God, seeking his will, listening to him, and walking to his beat. What would it look like if your life um, was to deepen in how you partner with God? What would it look like at work? or in the school playground, or in the supermarket, or in your street. God's at work. God is at work now, just as he was then. And he wants us to walk in this daily rhythm with him, because he wants us to know him more deeply. I just want to encourage you, don't settle. Don't settle for a surface relationship with God. Don't settle for an okay knowledge of him. But allow the awe of God to get rooted in you so that your heart has to stretch to contain it or better still don't even try and contain it it's like the song we were singing earlier Jesus be the center be the source be my light be my guide be the wind in my sails be everything be the reason that I live That's how we need to be in this season. That's how we need to be as we emerge from lockdown, from from the pandemic, as we begin to meet together um, in person. You know, that's how we need to be. That's what will sustain us. So they were also a proactive people. They were proactive in loving God. They were passionate and devoted to feeding themselves. They were proactive in partnering with God. They were proactive in loving one another. In verse 45, um, it says, it says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I love this. It's just so practical, isn't it? Jerusalem was bursting with people. God was changing the season. He was transforming lives. They were having incredible times of awe and times of prayer But practically, they just needed places to stay. They needed food to eat. They needed things. And they were together. They had all things in common. This speaks to me that they saw themselves as a people, as brothers and sisters in Christ together. They were proactive in loving one another. They were proactive in preferring one another. And in today's world, that is so counter cultural isn't it um you know would you sell something to provide for someone else have you ever been stirred by God to do something like that would you dare ask God if you should it's a bit scary isn't it but and it seems quite radical to us but I wonder if it was as radical to them they were motivated by their growing heart for God they delighted to do his will to walk in his ways They were overflowing with the Holy Spirit and they were walking to God's rhythm for the city. Walking in a kingdom rhythm is going to make you proactive. It's going to make people want to do stuff. It's going to make you stirred to to respond to what God's saying to you. They were living in this new rhythm. It was God's rhythm. It was kingdom life in partnership with God. So they were motivated by their love for him. And they saw opportunities that he opened up for them. What would it look like for KCC to walk in this way more fully? We do. There are definitely so many stories of this kind of thing. So many stories. And probably so many stories that haven't been um, shared or testified about. You know, sometimes we miss stuff, don't we? Because um, it's it's done in, in the quiet and in the secret place. But what would it look like? What would this look like if KCC hit hit this um, more fully as we emerge from this season? The thing about passionate, prayerful and proactive people who walk in God's ways and partner with him is that they are noticeable. So for the early church, it began to impact the city. Verse 47 says they had favour with all people. Imagine what that can do with the city. The people of God are noticeable because the kingdom of God, it's the kingdom of God that they're carrying. They're walking in God's agenda and in step with all God's doing. And it's also, they're also noticeable because they're so full of the Holy Spirit that wherever they go, they overflow. They just overflow. It just happens. They can't stop it. They can't control it because it's the overflow. And, and something about overflow is, it just runs over the top. The kingdom just spilled out of them. And the world out there needs us to be that kind of people. I mean, I want to be like that. Do you want to be like that? I'm so provoked by the account of this church. There is so much more to say. There's so much to, to, to drink from in this, in this scripture. But We've got to move on. Time's against us. But I want to encourage you to to just dwell in that passage. Just soak up all that you can about that, that amazing church and understand that it's the same God. It's the same God then as it is now. And his love for his people and his passion for his people is the same then as it is now. He's eager to meet with us. He's eager for us to partner with him. Please, I want to encourage you, take time to read Acts 2, 3, 4 and 5. Just see, track what happened to these amazing people. But as you do, realise why they were amazing. It was God. They were people who were passionate, prayerful and proactive. They were rooted in awe because, um, and, well, because they were just so devoted to him. And they praised God and they had favour. And this bit is the most beautiful thing of all. In verse 47, it says, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. This was all God's work. This church was a changed people, a new multiple birth in Christ. They loved God. They devoted themselves to relationship with God. And because they had this deep, authentic encounter with the saving grace of Jesus, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, Their walk together was passionate, prayerful and proactive. And they partnered with God as he changed the spiritual temperature and the rhythm of the world around them. This is so relevant for the time that we're in and for the church that we want to be as we reunite in face to face meetings. So I'm just going to come into land now and um, we want to create some space to meet with God for God to do some work in our hearts and but before we before we break out into that if you're watching this online and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour I just want to say you can know him you can know the one who transforms lives who pierces a heart and brings such joy and salvation such freedom you can know him Um, he transforms lives he did it in bible times and he's the same god today so if you want to know more get in touch with us get in touch with us check out the 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 bible check out um, the gospels check out um, acts and but get in touch with us and we can we can help you to to get to know god more so in a minute i'm going to hand back to helen and then um, we're going to have time of worship Um, but i just want to say like if you felt provoked about the multiples mindset thing of taking responsibility if you're feeding yourselves and deepening your relationship with God this is a great time to just meet God now and talk to him about that if you felt challenged to grow in awe of God this is a great time to get on your knees and worship him and and ask him to show himself to you and allow yourself to be awestruck by him If you felt provoked about being full of the Holy Spirit so that you overflow, this is a great time to open your hands and receive freely. This is a time to let God have your heart and focus on him. God said today he's eager to meet with us. He's eager to meet with us now. We don't have to wait. And he delights to draw near to us as we draw near to him.